College football and TV continues to be one of the biggest stories in sports. And Andrew, there's some big NFL streaming numbers, although one football legend apparently isn't watching Amazon. We've had some pretty enjoyable meetings and chats with Bill Belichick. I'll tell you one thing we, we learned about Coach the other day. He's, he's not a, a streaming guy. We asked him if he watched Thursday Night Football. <laughs> so what's that, the streaming thing? No, I don't do that. <laughs> And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, a lot to talk about. Just a, another feel-good, me and you. Uh, we'll do a quickie here. Oh, you want a quick one? We'll talk college football, NFL, NBA, MLB winter meetings, and direct TV um, as well in another carriage dispute that we'll get into in the ramifications of that. But first, who's up? And who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, lead us off on this one. All right, my who's up is ESPN chairman Jimmy Pitaro. Why? Because of flex scheduling. Now, let me be clear. Flex scheduling is for Monday Night Football is not good for people who own tickets uh, for these games where you have, you're thinking you're going to a Sunday game, now you're going to a Monday game. Uh, now, if you go from a... Monday night game, I can see a scenario where you're happy that it's going to be a Sunday game. That's a little bit better of a switch, but it also means it's a dog of a game. We had our first flex scheduling announced last week. Uh, Patriots and Chiefs are out. Uh, Eagles and Seahawks are in. That's in a couple of weeks. And now this is why Pitaro is getting my who's up. We've talked before about how uh, ESPN has improved their schedule. They have more games uh, with this uh, new agreement that goes for into the 2030s. Doubleheader coming up, Giants and Packers and Dolphins and Titans. That's okay. Then you flex in Philadelphia at Seattle. That's pretty good. And you take out the terrible New England Patriots. They did have Patrick Mahomes, but you take him out and you get Jalen Hurts and you get Seattle. Then last two weeks of the season, Baltimore, San Francisco, and then Detroit at Dallas. That's a Saturday game for the last Monday Night Football game, December 30th. That's a strong schedule down the stretch, which Monday Night Football, that's been a problem in years past on their last agreement. So getting that flex scheduling, getting a stronger schedule, at least this year, it looks very good for Bataro and ESPN. Who's up, Andrew? I have Brian Herbst. It could have been Steve Phelps, but I decided to give the nod to the top media executive over at NASCAR because you know our who's up. It makes careers, right? It does, it does. Last week, NASCAR announced 10-year, $7.7 billion deals with Fox, NBC, Amazon, Warner Brothers Discovery, and the CW. And the deal itself, it wasn't as big as many were expecting about a year ago. But I'm telling you, it was the best deal NASCAR could get in this current media rights environment. A 40% increase in the average annual value of the deal is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, working any kind of increase in this environment that's worthy of a who's up and the strategy of going to five media partners, five big media partners is one that I think you're going to see most other sports leagues follow as they try to cobble together enough interest to see a rights fee increase. It looks uh, to me, Andrew, like exclusivity that's going to become a thing of the past. And my who's down is George Kliakoff, the Pac-12 commissioner. Now, we've talked about this a lot on the pod and what happened with the Pac-12 and television. And 
Klyakov has been in the middle of it. Some of the decisions that were made before he got there, you know, kind of started that slippery slope, but Klyakov did not do uh, a good job. And I think he makes millions uh, as the PAC 12 commissioner, but adding to that this week, uh, Washington and Oregon in the championship game for the PAC 12, 9.2 million viewers for ESPN last Friday, John, do you know how many people 9.2 million is in terms of compared to any other uh, championship game they've ever had in the Pac-12? I'm going to guess that it's the most ever. It's the most ever. And so uh, that's how they're going to go out. Um, it's a shame. Um, and you look at it, the two teams, Washington and Oregon, yeah, they're headed to the Big Ten, but they weren't the teams that left originally. That was UCLA and USC. I do think there was probably a deal where they could have kept Washington and Oregon um, if they had been smoother and more strategic in terms of getting a TV deal and understanding the market. Uh, so, again, just a terrible situation with the Pac-12. Really a shame. Uh, but George Kliakoff gets another who's down. Maybe his final one as Pac-12 commissioner. You know, I'm going to stick with uh, college sports for the my who's down. My who's down is uh, Richard Clark, who is the new executive director of the college football playoff He's replacing uh, Bill Hancock, and his first order of business has to be figuring out a new media rights deal. And as we've both uh, said on previous pods, that's not going to be so easy, uh, especially in the next two years when ESPN holds the exclusive rights to the semis and to the finals. I mean, what's going to convince Amazon or NBC or Fox or whoever to even pay for a quarterfinal game if they have no hopes of getting the championship game or the semifinal game. And this is the problem that they're running into. And it's a problem. And it's one of the reasons that the whole sports rights marketplace has been tightening. Networks are making their decisions now based really solely on leverage with cable and satellite operators. So let's take Fox. Fox already has deals with the big 10, the big 12, adding a couple more CFP quarterfinal games, that's going to do nothing to increase their standing with dis distributors. Uh, digital players like Amazon, they've shown that they have really no interest in these one-off events. It has to be sort of a longer term, like like the uh, Thursday night football. Early reports, as, as we've said, showed a lot of tepid interest. I don't know what they have to do in order to drum up more interest. It might be as simple as doing a sweetheart deal with ESPN for the next two years and just kind of looking for two years down the line. But it's it's item number one, and he's coming in at the at the tightest the sports marketplace has been since I've been covering this. John, that brings us into the topics: college football, number one, playoffs. Um, you know, you just talked about the playoffs, but it would be nice if we had the playoffs. Playoffs. If we had the playoffs this year, um, you know, they went on the the controversy and the issues with Florida State being left out. So I think that could be a little bit of a plus in their negotiations and saying like actually. You know what? These games could have some meaning. It could matter a, a, a little bit more, but the whole idea behind behind these these playoffs is to uh, is to lead to the semis, to lead to the finals. I, 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 I again, it's a, sort of what I said in the Who's Down. I don't see uh, TV networks committing a lot of money to just carrying a couple of quarterfinal games, and that and that's the only thing that's on offer at least for the next two years. So let me ask you this: Then, who do you look at as the 
rank the favorites for these extra games. And, and I, I know that what's been bogging him down, which you've talked about is also people want to go past just the next two years and get into those national championship games and the final four uh, and include those, which, you know, ESPN does have the inside track on. Well, right now, I, I think, uh, so it is, we're talking about two different deals here, I think, right. We have whatever for the next two years, a deal for the next two years and then a deal for two years. So let me just explain to people who might not know is the next year, the playoffs will be part of the package. Um, They're going to expand the field and there'll be 12 teams that qualify uh, for the postseason. And so for the next two years, I could conceive of a, of an environment where Fox decides, you know, Fox and ESPN are the two big broadcasters when it comes to college football. Uh, you know, CBS has a package and NBC has a, has a package in the, in the Notre Dame one as well. But really, the two big ones are Fox and ESPN. So I can see over the next two years them divvying up something as, as it moves forward. Two years down the line, this is so funny because like our whole pod is based on predicting. But who knows what the market's going to look like two years down the mm-hmm. line? How many subscribers will ESPN have two, uh, two years down the line? How many uh, uh, sub- uh, viewers are, is Amazon going to be able to bring in? How How is all of this going to be changing? It's re- really impossible to make a prediction two years from now, which is uh, which is totally unique because for the past two decades, we could have easily done that. Okay, so besides ESPN and Fox, you think Amazon's involved? Warner Brothers Discovery, you think they're involved? Like who else is involved? Warner Brothers Discovery certainly has has an interest in, in getting it. They they have the NCAA tournament and they think it, it would be a good uh, adjunct to that. NBC wants to get more involved with college football. It has the uh, Notre Dame deal. It has the Big Ten deal. And it's trying to build up its Peacock um, a streaming service as well. What does Google think about um, having Sunday ticket? What does Apple think about its MLS deal? I mean, so there, I, I, there are enough players out you named there. Named every player in the world. The, I know the there are enough players like, out there that would have interest. Quibi. But the only one you didn't mention. Tubi. Uh, I don't oh, think Tubi. It's gonna, uh, it wasn't Quibi. Another one that went out of business real quick. <laughs> well, the the, the you problem. Everybody said, "Can you give me like the people want the knowledge? Give me your top four or five. You can't give me every entity." I'll give you the top two. I think I like, well, I just said, you can't, you can't predict. And now, now, now you're getting me. This is how you're a good reporter. That's like Chris Russo. I used to, you know, now Chris Russo is national. Everyone knows this, but I used to always say like when he was in FAN, he'd be like, I don't know anything about hockey. And then give his like huge opinion. That's what we want, John. That's what the people look at Russo. Maybe the best talk show host ever sports talk show host ever. That's what people want. I think I think it makes most sense for Fox and ESPN because this is part of their DNA is college football. Um, uh, the, the the trend though is to add in stream uh, a streamer. There's no there's no streaming company or digital company that's been more interested in sports than Amazon. Question is whether Amazon is interested in a college football playoff that takes place over what four weeks or three weeks. They they seem seem to want something that has more of a payoff than just like one little tournament like that. Okay. We also, this weekend, we said goodbye to the SEC on CBS. What a run, you know, more than a quarter century. One of the all-time deals in sports media history, although it was only for one game, but it was for the best game that the SEC had on broadcast in the 330 window. Each week, not one game, one game per week. Was it 55 or 65 million? Oh God, I, I should know this off the top of my head. I think it's 65 million. Well, let's hang Google on, it. Hang on. We're doing a quick Google here. I think 55 actually. 
Google says it's 55, Andrew, 55. So 55 million dollars a year. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a bad deal. I will say in CBS's defense uh, and the, the way that their executives would say, they gave the SEC, this regional conference uh, in, in Southeast United States, a national window on a Saturday afternoon. And of course, that that, that built up until Fox did their big noon uh, window. Mm-hmm. That was always the most viewed window. And CBS did a lot. They, treat, they, they treated it with great care. They put their best people on, on it in the booth. Uh, they they uh, sent down their uh, you know the top production people and they didn't pay as much as SEC thought they should pay but they treated it like it was a uh, you know uh, the royal jewels pretty much yeah, next year then ESPN ABC they have everything they always they already had a lot of uh, SEC games and now they'll have the best game each week as well um, the interesting to see if they keep that 330 slot as like the marquee or if they move more games into prime time because they have the flexibility uh to do that yeah so it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh the scheduling with the sec does the best game of the week still go in that 330 slot or you know, sometimes it was prime time with cbs but we'll be more in the prime time window with abc and espn having everything andrew let's go to topic two uh your who's up was um, Jimmy Pitaro for the flex scheduling, but I have a question for you. If you're Jimmy Pitaro, uh, and and you did a good job of describing how good his schedule is going into the end, which is the best that Monday Night Football has seen in in, in decades, frankly. But on a one-off for that one flex schedule, would you rather have Patrick Mahomes going against the Patriots? Aren't very good, but they have a a, a national following of of fans. Or would you rather have Seattle and Philly? I'm suggesting that you want a star. You want Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I would I would guess that ESPN doesn't love that switch. Uh, I think they like the switch. I think they wanted the switch. So I mean, I don't. So to say that they don't like it would be, I think, wrong. Um, I don't think they like giving up Patrick Mahomes. I think the issue though is the Patriots are just abysmal, and so just you're gonna. You know, and you figure now the Patriots defense isn't that bad, but they can't score a point. I think it's more important to them and they might not get it, but a compelling game um, that brings in you bring in that West Coast audience uh, possibly um, with Seattle. You know, you look at the schedule and you see Kansas City, New England before the year and you you think maybe the Patriots could be a little better this year. Um, You know, nobody knew that they were going to be a top five drafting team um, at that point. Yeah, I think it's disappointing that game didn't work out, but I Regardless of like how, like to me, the the micro of this, I think it's more the macro that this is a possibility. And, you know, for them, this has been a major problem dating back to even when Al Michaels was doing the games on ABC. Even Al back then, every once in a while, had to do a bad game and he got through it. You know, now they they have that option so you don't have those late late season uh, duds. That's exactly my point, I think, which is this is not necessarily a game. Patrick Mahomes and a playoff team with the Chiefs is not necessarily a game that traditionally has been uh, flexed out of. So to me, this is really the NFL. They know that they can flex to Monday. They know they can flex to Thursday now. And it's almost like a test. Let's just test run this, see what happens, see how many season ticket holders or, or if not season ticket holders, just regular ticket holders are really affected 
by the move from Sunday to Monday or Monday to Sunday and and use this as a test case going forward. Uh, that's that's sort of how I viewed it um, uh, as well. Yeah, I think they also want to get this flex in so that it makes it a little bit easier next time because obviously the Thursday and the Monday flexes are not ideal for fans. There will be a lot of complaints. You look at this one, we don't really know definitively, but uh, you think about Philadelphia at Seattle, you would think maybe there's less people traveling to that game. That's a that's a haul. Um, you know, there's Eagle fans all over the place. I'm sure there are some people moving them around to, to get to that game. Um, but uh, they get it. They get they put this on the board. And then, you know, next time it's like, oh, we already did it. And so it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, and then their argument would be it's better for the millions of people watching. And you're only really impacting thousands um, who uh, who are traveling to the game. It still really stinks for those people. And there are probably people traveling for Monday Night Football to see Mahomes at New England. It was something you might have scheduled months and months ago. And now your games, you maybe have your flight out Monday. Now the game's on Sunday. But the positive would be you wouldn't have to watch the Patriots play football. <laughs> you can tell I'm like a, long, a Steeler fan for a long time who has a lot of pent-up energy against the Patriots for uh, beating, stealing signs. I mean, um... And uh, for the against the Patriots, uh, are we going to re- review Deflate Gate again now or something? Come on, Andrew. It's really more the filming of the practices. I mean, I, I, <laughs> the Deflate Gate thing probably was overrated, but the filming of the practices, maybe other teams do that. That seems a little. There were times where it felt like Pats had the plays. So if you're filming the practices, it makes it easier. All right, let's move on. Enough football talk. Amazon, 15.26 million watched. Uh, last Thursday, according to Nielsen, Cowboys Seahawks most watched Amazon Prime video game. Huge numbers. Dallas sells. Close game. Your take? Are you ready for my anti-Amazon hat to to come out? Yeah, go for it. Go. For I it. mean, they they just set a, a record, a, a, an all-time high for an NFL game on on Amazon. And look, there is a trend towards streaming that's unmistakable. I talked to uh, Bill Koenig, the NBA's top uh, um, media executive. And he talks about like the, the, the definition of reach being different and Amazon uh, being able to have as much reach as a broadcast channel. Andrew, this game to me proves that that's, it may come true next year. It can, may come true in two years. It's not true right now. Think about this. Dallas, the Cowboys, the, the, the highest rated team in the NFL, they're in a high scoring, close game. And it only did 15 million viewers. I mean, uh, th- that that would make Fox executives literally throw up if that happened. So it's great for Amazon. You see where this is going. There, are, there's certainly a trend line going there that that you have to take a look at. And from what I could tell, people were able to watch the stream with that many people, and it wasn't lagging, and it wasn't buffering, and it was still a, a it was still a high quality stream. 15 million viewers for a, a very close Cowboys game in prime time is is nothing that any uh, any of the TV networks would have been happy with. You must be tough. Like your wife, like you must you want everything like now, like nothing I can win. like progress. I win every argument with my wife, every single one. <laughs> but no, but like, but these things take time. Don't do they not like Amazon? This is their second year. And you think they should be getting the same numbers as Fox and CBS do in the 425 window, which is the highest window of the week each week. I, I don't really see how your, your point there. I think, I think it's trending that way, but what, as, as we're talking about the, uh, the difference in reach, like Amazon's not there yet. 
it's going that Amazon route. looks at it and you know if you study Amazon's Amazon, thrilled with this number and no, they, should they look at it long term it's a long term deal and so where are they going to be in six years seven years eight years and they're not as concerned but when you're seeing the trend that you're seeing it's a positive one but for you john you want 30 million you want them to get 30 million people a week and have the super bowl i mean you know what and you they they are known for delivery so they they're known that I, i'll tell you what amazon their ratings have been up double digits every single week there there there, there was a thought here of like wow they're really like if, if espn didn't include abc and in its simulcast this year you know that there, there was a belief that perhaps they could even uh, uh bring in more viewers than, than than espn they they've been going that route this number to me, the all-time high for Amazon and a good number for Amazon, it just shows that they're not quite there yet. They're still like, you know, how many years away? Two years away, three years away from from doing that broadcast number. And and to me, it also suggests like if you're the NBA, like, are you viewing that as a number? Like, okay, they are there. They're close to being there. Or is it like uh, for, for this next round of media rights? They're not quite there yet, so let's let's take a little while and uh, and and do that on the on the next round of media rights instead of this one. I mean, Tim Buckman, who's Amazon's Thursday Night Football um, media relations person, uh, he may write the best uh, releases in the business. Right? There's some <laughs> others out there, but he may write the best. No, but when you say all time high, they've only had what they've had 25 games. So I mean, you, you put you that's a, that's still good. You still want to say all time high. It's a good number for Amazon, no doubt. It's a good number for Amazon. They're not quite at where, where, where broadcast levels are are yet. I, and that, that, I don't know if you were expecting them to be or not, but that, that, that's and nobody and you did. Can, only you demand that. That's the only you're the only person who demands that it be. We have right we have top league executives saying we need to take another look at the definition definition of reach. No, broadcast is still the biggest reach. That's still the biggest I mean, reach. You missed, you missed the you missed the clause there. We have top media executives trying to spin you about what is <laughs> what is the definition of reach. So then, like when they make these deals, and then you get it out there, it gives them leverage. You know, every reporter I know, they they believe the last person they talk to, pretty much. So yeah, that yeah. that's me. That's me. All right, fair enough. All right, and well, we are talking about the NBA, Andrew. So like, let's talk about the NBA deal and uh, and and who is going to be lined up to get the NBA rights. We know that uh, Turner, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, ESPN, Amazon are three that are certainly there. I, I keep hearing NBC uh, get, get getting thrown out there. Where are they right now, do you think? So let's go to your last person you talked to theory. So I'll go with that for for uh, for who I talked to. <laughs> so here, here's the bigger question, and, I'll, and I will get to, I will answer your question. But the 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 question I think right now that people are wondering is does the NBA have three or four partners when they're done with their deals, which aren't going to happen till next year. I think there was a hope to get maybe ESPN Disney deal done before the end of the year, but that's more likely in the spring now, and then they can open it up. Um, they're still in the exclusive negotiating window. So ESPN, ABC, they probably do less regular season games. Maybe the Wednesday goes away and you have Friday and Saturday and ESPN and ABC playoffs and finals. Um, and then we're not sure about the all-star game in the tournament. Uh, WBD sports maybe goes from two days to one, maybe not Thursdays, maybe Tuesdays, Amazon 
comes in after Thursday Night Football, maybe takes those games, gets some playoffs, as we had Jay Marine, their head of Global Sports Video, um, who said that's important to them to have playoffs a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to that if you want to hear Amazon uh, and, and what Jay Marine, what they're thinking. Uh, and then the question is NBC. You have NBC Universal sitting there at the top as Mark Lazarus, uh, who was at Turner Sports when they got the NBA. Very good relationship with Adam Silver. I think Silver, like a lot of people um, who have been with the NBA or watched the NBA for a long time, still have NBC in their soul. Uh, just, you know, Costas on the pregame, Marv doing the games, uh, and uh, the jingle. I, I could see NBC getting in there, but, you know, are there enough good games to to go around. You mentioned earlier, Peacock is very important to them. Can they do something with Peacock as well and reach NBC's in there? I think those are the four. And then our wild card, as always, is Apple. And what are they thinking? What are they doing? I don't know. I don't know if something's, I don't know if they know what they're going to do, let alone if we should know what they're going to do. All right, Andrew, uh, with, with regards to Apple, remember, like international is included in all this. I can see Apple doing some sort of MLS type deal where they buy international rights to like a Friday night of uh, NBA games, you know, and, and, and do something along those lines. That appears to be what Apple's strategy is with MLS. I can see them trying to carve out something with the NBA along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that reach is being redefined, so that would make sense. <laughs> reach for the sky. All, All these streamers are as good as broadcast networks, apparently. It's the same thing. You know what's being, you know what's not redefined? Who writes the biggest check? And I think that's what we'll win today. Okay, that's my prediction. You know, to, you know, to that point, I, every time I talk about relationships, people like I get I, uh, on this pod, and relationships do matter in the sports business. They and actually, in the do matter. Business. They do matter. But uh, everybody, every time I hear from like a couple of people being like, "Yeah, I have the best relationship because I write the biggest check." That is true. Well, the crazy thing was when when John Skipper was running ESPN, somehow they were giving uh, billions of dollars for Monday Night Football to the NFL, and they still had a terrible relationship. <laughs> it was always like maddening uh, to you know to think about like you're giving them billions of dollars and you don't have a good relationship, which seems almost impossible, but apparently was the case. All right, let's move on to topic four: MLB winter meetings. Andrew, what are you hearing? Well, I used to be down there for these Nashville, very nice site. Um, big site. So when you're at the winter meetings, one of the things that reporters look at is like you, know, you a smaller site is is better because you're trying to find agents, you're trying to find GMs now. So a lot of people are waiting. You're waiting around, seeing if you see somebody. Like you're waiting there with like first off, yeah, you know Scott Boris, you know some of these other agents, you know the executives, but like some of these agents. I mean, I guess some people you needed like you don't know what they look like, um, and. I don't know. It seems sort of pointless because you're just like 50 other people are there with like, and there's nothing, they don't say anything. So, but there are the insiders like Joel Sherman and John Heyman and Hassan and Ken Rosenthal, of course, uh, and, and others as well, um, who, who are really good at it. Right. So you're kind of, they're kind of in terms of that, like I, you can compete on other, for other things in terms of like breaking those stories. Those guys were usually the best at that stuff. The overall point though, these winter meetings, I mean, this has really moved to an MLB network show though. It used to be ESPN was down there, Carl Ravitch and company, baseball tonight, huge presence. They're not even there now. Um, they added Adam Adovino, uh, setup man. They're having Phil Murphy, uh, who's hosting a show at, at midnight from Bristol, 
Um, and uh, they've Doug Glanville and Tim Kirchner also on that show. So that's at midnight from Bristol. Buster only is not even live in Nashville. He's going to be doing his pod, not even there. They have pass in there. Jesse Rogers, Alden Gonzalez. Those three were scheduled to be there. The bigger point is that we talk about ESPN. You know, we've mentioned that in two years, they could maybe opt out. I will say that like, they're not really all in on uh, Otani sweepstakes. You know, this is like one of the bigger stories in baseball, maybe, you know, probably free agent history. Uh, And yeah, they'll have it on there, but we we know this, right? And on TV, it's NFL, NBA, college football, uh, predominantly. Uh, that's what they talk about. And even these winter meetings, which I understand, they, they also are a little bit out of date. Like there was a time before cell phones and before a lot of things where the winter meetings is like where all the deals happen because that's where GMs were in front of each other. Now everyone has their cell phones. And yeah, it sort of is like a point of the off season where you're like, at least as a writer, like, can we get these deals done? Um, but it doesn't necessarily happen that way. So the, the overall point though, is this has really become an MLB network event though, um, which is kind of to me like their premier event of the whole year. They have the draft, but, uh, but they really, um, this is where they really shine. Cause if you're a baseball fan, I think that's the place you have to tune into. ESPN not being in on the Otani sweepstakes, which, which they're not, or really sort of any of the baseball hot stove in, in your mind, can we uh, flash that forward to when the uh, th- there's an out in their contracts and, and how they might approach that out based on how they're covering that sport now, or, or are they two completely separate things? I'm of, I'm of two minds of that. I'm not quite sure where, where that would stand. Well, first off, they're not completely out. I don't want to disrespect. I mean, Patson's one of the best insiders uh, in the business, Jesse Rogers, Alden Gonzalez. Um, they do a very good job in terms of how they cover it, but in terms of TV and the focus of it, we've seen, we've known this, this has gone on forever. And yeah, this isn't breaking news here. This isn't breaking news. I got to be honest with you, but, and you look at the ratings uh, on Sunday night, they're not, they're okay. They're, you know, they get about a million and a half people. You get a Red Sox Yankee game, maybe get get up to two. And that's what it generally is around. And for what they're paying, what is it? 450 million. Do we need to go to Google again? $450 million just for the, the those games. I think hundred million for the playoffs, the five fifty it went down from the previous uh, agreement, but still you look at what others are paying. Peacock pays for their Sunday game. What Apple pays for their Friday night, double headers. Um, it's, it's not a great deal. And they might use that money for the NBA or uh, college football playoffs, or maybe they get a reduced rate and they keep it as is. But um, but yeah, this ESPN and baseball, I just think it's kind of just another thing indicative of how as a national sport to be covered nationally, they do they do put some resources in, it, especially with passing and company. Uh, but uh, but they're not that presence, that importance that baseball had um, is not there for for ESPN. All right. I want to go to our, our fifth and final topic, which is uh, the direct TV Tegna battle. Tegna, of course, uh owns a, bu- a bunch of local broadcast stations throughout the country. And if you're a DirecTV subscriber, you're unable to see these because they're having a carriage battle. And much like the charter Disney battle, this one is totally unique. And I've, I've been covering these things for decades and streaming has totally changed the entire balance of power in these negotiations. And, and uh, the idea, like even like two years ago, that DirecTV could uh, allow channels to go dark, dark during the end of the NFL season 
during uh, the, the college football championship games, uh, it, it was unthinkable. They would lose subscribers and, and, uh, and it, like that, that was always a, a huge amount of leverage that the uh, broadcasters would have. A kitchen table is for me a little bit. What what part of the country is impacted by this the most? Hegna owns stations in markets all across the country. And how many people do we think are impacted about? I don't know the actual number of people, but they they own uh, in big markets, uh, Fox affiliates, NBC affiliates, CBS affiliates. So it goes across everything here. But and why do the streamers? What what is it? What what is the difference? Because the streamers are involved. Well, this is why. So, you know, they have the NFL playoffs coming up. Apparently, they only have five Fox affiliates and Fox does not stream their NFL games. So they're going to have some problems in those markets. But in the CBS markets, all of the games are being streamed on Paramount Plus. And the NBC markets, all of those games are being streamed on uh, on, on, on Peacock. Um, if they if this goes through the Super Bowl, and I think there's a, a really good shot that it might go through uh, to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is going to be available on Nickelodeon. That's available on, on, on DirecTV. So all of a sudden, all of this leverage that the broadcasters had of everything's going to go dark, now it's not necessarily dark. I mean, it would almost cost DirecTV l- less money to say, like, you know, we'll pay for your Paramount Plus basic subscription of $6 a month and, and, and uh, get that in. Uh, how this ends up is going to be really, really important to the, the future of these types of deals as uh, m- moving forward. So it might not be on a lot of people's radar screens, but this is a really big deal. Yeah. And the Super Bowl will be on Paramount plus. And so like, I think more, that's more so than, I don't know if the average fan is necessarily going to go from Nance and Romo to go watch the slime. If you're like a real football fan. So I think that, that's going to be hard, plus. but then you will, you can, well, yeah, you can watch it on Paramount plus uh, p- potentially. And if you're CBS, how much are you going to uh, be uh, pushing uh, Tegna to get this done? Because they're selling Super Bowl ads. And if all of a sudden they don't have all of those DirecTV subscribers, has the leverage turned that much? I, I mean, that's that's what we're looking to see. So I, I'm, I'm not ready to say that it has yet. I'm, I'm waiting to see how this deal comes to fruition. All right. Well, keep us. We'll, we'll stay on top of that story and all these other ones. Uh, John, another week uh, in the books. Uh, I just want to remind everybody you can like us review us, subscribe. Um, and, uh, it's been fun. And of course, uh, AC Wyatt, uh, uh, who is, uh, puts us all together. Chris Mason, the master of the board, all the drops that we had in, we gave you a couple of good ones. The, uh, the playoffs. I hope that, uh, that got in there. Jim Mora playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. playoffs. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. College football and TV. It's one of the biggest story in sports, and it, wait, sorry, I'm gonna say it continues to be three, and also one of the one of the biggest stories, right? Yes, I I, I can ad lib. I just that's just a script. Don't worry. Um, three. <laughs> uh, it says story. Okay, Chris, did uh, did you get that? Chris, all the parts in the podcast where John talks, just like edit those hey. out. Okay, <laughs> you got it. Every time you say that, I try to be as silent as possible, Andrew.